Welcome. Parshas Vaera, it contains seven of the ten makos, the ten plagues with which the Egyptians were afflicted. And I'd like to take a careful look at the maka of Shechem, of skin boils, and also compare it and contrast it to two other makos. Let's begin by taking a look at a previous maka, makas dever which means a, an, a, a pestilence, a, a, a disease that affects cattle. So, Moshe Rabbeinu warns Parai that uh, this is coming if he doesn't, if he doesn't uh, let the, let the Bnei Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. And Parai does not repent, and therefore the Pasuk says, Hashem And Hashem did this thing on the next day, after Moshe Rabbeinu completed his warnings. So then HaKadosh Baruch Hu performed this Makkah the next day. And all of the cattle of Egypt died. From the cattle of the Nei Yisrael, not even one died. And this was part of the part of the uh, promise that Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu made, that this uh, disease of cattle would only affect the cattle of the Egyptians, even though um, the Jews lived amongst the Egyptians and the cattle mixed to some extent, it's all one country, but this pestilence only affected the Egyptian cattle. Okay, um, we should keep in mind the few words that say Vayamas Kol Mikne Mitzrayim. The simple meaning is all of the cattle of Mitzrayim died. Now we go to Makashin. And here the Pasik describes to us how Moshe Rabbeinu, or, or how, um, yes, how Moshe Rabbeinu uh, pr- uh, performed and brought about this Makkah. It says, Vayikhu Espiach HaKibshon, Moshe and Aaron, they took. Of ashes from a furnace, and they stood in front of Pharaoh, and Moshe threw these ashes up towards the heavens, he threw it up into the sky, and it became a boil of Ababuos, it became boils that created blisters, that was sprouting, that was spreading, on the humans, and on the animals. Now here there's an obvious question, which we will discuss in Yerush Hashem soon. Here it says that the Shechin affected the animals in addition to the people. The obvious question is, we learned just a few psukim before, when we when the Torah told us about Makas Dever, it says that all of the Egyptian cattle died. So how could it be that the Maka of Shechin also affected the cattle. Should have been there were no cattle left. Well, this is a question. Let's continue, and let's go to Makas Barod, to the Maka of hail. It says, Va'atoa, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Parai, Shlach ha'ezes miknecha, go and gather in your cattle, meaning bring them inside, bring them into the barns, don't let them stand outside, and everything that you have out in the field, if you have any kind of tools or 
any kind of property, whatever it might be, out sitting on the fields, bring it inside. <clears throat> any person or any animal that will be found in the field, and will not be gathered into the house, the barod, the hail will fall upon them, and they will die. Okay, so they were warned. Bring everything inside before the barod comes. The next pasuk says, "Hayareis dvar Hashem paro." Those who were God-fearing, those who feared Hashem, from amongst the servants of Paray, enis esabadovies miknehu el habatim. Such a person, those people. Um, Hainis literally means they cause them to run away. They cause their avodim and their mikne to run away into the houses. In other words, those Egyptians who believed what Moshe was saying in the name of Hashem, that the borod would come and the borod would destroy anything standing out in the fields, those who at least had that much yiras Hashem that they believed it, so they made sure to bring in all of their uh, cattle into the houses. Those who did not, well, they, they paid the price because their cattle were killed. We have here again, in part, the same, the same issue. Uh, if Pasuk Vav if uh, regarding Makas Dever already said that all the cattle of Mitzrayim died, then we have to try to, we have, we have a problem. How could it say in Pasuk Yudtes regarding Makas Borod that uh, there were still cattle? And the Egyptians had a choice, either bring it into the house and save it, or leave it out into the field and they're going to be killed. That same question arises again. Okay, let's go to our focus, which is going to be on the Pasuk about Shechin and on the Rashi. Let's review the Pasuk. By Yikhu Espiach HaKipshon, Moshe and Aaron took the ashes of the furnace, by Yamdu Lepnei Faro, and they stood in front of Paro, and Moshe threw it up towards the sky, and it became a boil-producing, uh, a, a, a blister-producing kind of a boil, and it was spreading on people and on animals. And Rashi comments on the words, and he asked the question, if you will say, meaning if you will ask, from where did the Egyptians have animals? It's already been stated just a few psukim earlier in the Pasuk about Makas Dever. It already says, it says that all of the cattle of Mitzrayim died. So how could how could it say here that the, that the Shechin was affecting the animals seems that we've already found out that all the animals died previously. So Rashi says, Ella, but Rashi gives an answer. The Xera, the decree of Dever, the decree of the pestilence, was only upon those animals that were in the fields. Shinamar, as it says there, when Moshe Rabbeinu warns Parai about the Maka of Dever, he says to him that the Dever is going to affect Miknecha Asher Basadeh, your cattle that is in the field. 
So it only affected those that were in the field, those that were brought in, those that were brought into the barns and into the houses. They did not die from Deborah. And those are the ones that uh, were later affected by the Shechem. They survived Deborah, but now they were afflicted with the Shechem. Now Rashi concludes, again, let's go back to Rashi. Rashi says that the Maka of Deborah only affected those animals that were out in the fields. As it says, The plague will be upon your cattle that are in the field. And the one who fears who feared Hashem, he uh, caused his cattle to escape into the houses. He ran his cattle into the houses in order to save them. Now, let's begin with a very simple point before we come to any questions. A very simple point is that I have stated many, many times that when Rashi, when there is an apparent contradiction between one Pasuk and another, Rashi, generally speaking, in the vast majority of cases, does not comment on it until he comes to the second Pasuk. If we have, in the order of Sukkim, we have Pasuk number 12, says something, and there's nothing wrong with it, there's nothing internally illogical about it, or nothing... Nothing, no grammatical problems, no, no problems of, of the phrasing, no problems of the basic meaning of the words. So usually Rashi will just let it be, even though he, of course, knew that in Pusik 96, there's something that, that seems to contradict it. But his, his derech is, his, his, his custom is, that he waits for the second Pusik. And as we've explained many times, this is logical. Why do you have to bring up the problem until the problem comes. We see this here. Many times I discuss exceptions, but it's important to also remind ourselves where Rashi does follow the rule. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a rule. Here we have a very good example of the rule. Pasek Vav, Perictes Pasek Vav says that Vayamas kol mikne mitzrayim, that all of the cattle of Egypt died because of this plague of Deber. Of pestilence. And Rashi says nothing about those words. Says they all died? Okay, they all died. Why not? Could happen. Rashi doesn't have any comment on those words. Just a few psukim later, Pasik Yud, the Pasik is talking about the Maka of Shrin, and the Pasik says that it caused boils and blisters on the behema, on the animals. And here, as we just saw, here Rashi wakes up and he says, wait a minute, how could there be animals? Didn't all the animals die in the Makkah of Dever? And Rashi gives an answer. But before we discuss the answer and before we raise certain other questions, we see here a very good example where Rashi saw a Pasuk. He had nothing to say about it. Later he saw a Pasuk that seems to contradict the first one. And then he brought up the contradiction. Now I would like to raise some questions on this Rashi. Three questions. Question number one is that Rashi begins his comment here by asking an explicit question. He says, if you'll ask, 
From where would the Egyptians have any animals at all to, that would be afflicted by the Shechin? Didn't it already say a few psukim before regarding the Maka of Dever that all of the cattle of Egypt died? This is a very explicit question that Rashi is asking, and we know that it is not Rashi's habit to ask explicit questions. Usually Rashi just tells us how to understand a Pasuk. With a little bit of thought, we can figure out ourselves what the question was. As I've explained many times, Rashi really expects us to see the basic questions in the Pasuk. So he doesn't have to write them for us. But here, this Rashi is somewhat uh, atypical. Here, Rashi asks the question explicitly. And wherever Rashi asks an explicit question, the rule is, at least according to many Mephoshim, at least according to one of my favorite Mephoshim, Maskil the Dovin, that if Rashi asks a question explicitly, that's not his only or even his main question on the Pasuk. Rather, there must be what the Maskil the Dovin calls a Hergish Mibachutz. There must be an internal question. He calls it Mibachutz because it's outside of the question that Rashi writes, but it's really internal to the Pasuk, meaning there must be a, a question in the Pasuk itself that really Rashi is trying to answer, and he asks his explicit question and gives the answer to it as a means of coming to the answer that is going to answer his internal, intrinsic question. So we have to think about it. What was Rashi's, what was the Hergish Mibachutzia? What was Rashi's question on the Pasuk itself? And a corollary is another uh, rule that I have said many times. I can't um, 100% prove this rule. It's essentially my rule, but it's what I have observed, that when Rashi asks an explicit question, it's usually because there's some weakness to the question. The really good questions Rashi doesn't ask, meaning the questions that are implicit in the words of the Pasuk, Rashi expects us to find ourselves. He does not write those questions for us. He writes the answers. The questions that Rashi writes are very often questions that are not based really intrinsically on the words in the Pasuk, or perhaps they are based on a later Pasuk, which Rashi doesn't expect us to have in mind, or in some way, the questions that Rashi writes explicitly are in some way a little bit weaker than the ones that he does not write. So we have to understand what is what is the weakness to this question. This question that Rashi writes here explicitly uh, seems like a very strong question. How could the Pusik say that the Makas Shechin affected animals when all the animals had already died in the Makas Deva? That, that seems like a very good question. That's all one question that we have on Rashi regarding his explicit question. Question B is that the Torah by Makas Dever, Moshe Rabbeinu, speaking what Hashem told him to say, the Torah says specifically regarding Makas Dever, this maka will affect only your cattle that is left out in the field. 
by Makas Shrim, it does not say that. Why not? And the third question is a question that is raised by Gurarye. And first we have to preface a point before we can understand his question. If we look in the Rashi, Rashi tells us that Makas Dever only affected those animals that were out in the field. As it says, asher And then Rashi says the following words. Those who feared Hashem brought their animals in to the houses. Now, those words should sound familiar. Those are not really Rashi's original words. Where did he get them from? He got them from a later Pasuk. He got them from the Pasuk about Makas Borod that we saw. Really, the Torah says by Makas Borod that those who feared Hashem brought their animals into the houses. But Rashi is borrowing those words. He, he uh, paraphrases them a little bit. He shortens it a little bit. But he borrowed those words from Makas Borod, and he's sticking them in here, and he's saying that the same thing occurred the same thing occurred by Makas Dever, just like it says towards the end of the Parsha, by Makas Borod, that those who feared Hashem brought their animals into the houses. So too, uh, by Makas Dever, much closer to the beginning of the Parsha, really, that's what happened. Even though it's not uh, explicit in the Psukim, the Rashi is telling us it happened there also. The Guru Arya raises the question, okay, so... Why is that? Why did the Torah, if it happened in both places, it happened by Makas Dever and it happened later by Makas Borod, why does the Torah only write it explicitly by Makas Borod? Now we will attempt to answer these three questions one by one. Our first question is regarding Rashi's explicit question. And of course, the question is, the, 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 the question is that there must be really an implicit question. Rashi, the rule is that Rashi only asks an explicit question as a means to coming to a certain answer. But really, what he wants to answer is an implicit question, a question which grows out of the text of the Pusik itself and which we should have thought of ourselves. This this, uh, this implicit question is known in the language of Maskil the David as a Hergesh Mibachutz. And so, what is the Hergesh Mibachutz? Well, the Maskil the David says that what Rashi was really bothered by in Perak Tes, Pasuk Yud, regarding Makas Shechin, is why does the Pasuk make a special point to tell us that the Shechin affected the Behemoths also? Why is that really relevant? That really was Rashi's question. Now, the Mosque of the David now explains, in order to answer that question about why the Torah emphasizes that, Ma- that Makas Shechem affected the animals, Rashi brings in another question. He asks, he raises a question, where did they even have animals from? It seems that all the animals were already killed in Makas Dever, I mean, the Pasuk said that. The Pasuk said regarding Makas Dever, a Yamas called Mikneh Mitzrayim, that all of the cattle of Mitzrayim died. 
So Rashi brings in this other question, and he answers the other question by saying that by Marcus Dever, only the animals that were left out in the field, those are the ones that died. But those who feared the word of Hashem, they brought their animals into the houses and they were saved. Moshe Rabbeinu told them that Marcus Dever is going to affect Miknecha Asher Basadeh. He told them it's only going to affect the animals that are out on the field. Some people didn't believe the whole thing or didn't care about the whole thing. They left their animals out in the field. But those Egyptians who did fear the word of Hashem, they brought their animals indoors. Those animals were saved from Makas Dever, but here they were afflicted with Makas Shechem. That's Rashi's answer to his explicit question. How does that answer the implicit question? The Mosque of the David says, that exactly is the answer. Why does the Pasuk emphasize here that Makas Shechem affected the Bahamas? It's to teach you this point, that even those people, even those Egyptians who had enough fear of Hashem, that when they heard that Makas Dever is only going to affect the animals that are basadeh, that are out in the fields, they had enough yiras shemayim, they had enough fear of Hashem that they brought, brought their animals inside. And their animals, in fact, were saved. What happened after that? They said, oh, we were saved? We got a break? They went back to being terrible sinners afterwards. The next time that a Kodesh Baruch Hu came, that Moshe Rabbeinu came and said, you better watch out, Maka Shechin is coming, they didn't care. They kept their animals out in the field. And their animals were afflicted with Shechin. Of course, part of the Musar here, part of the lesson here, is what the Gemara says in Kedushin, Daflamid. A person's Yetzirahara, a person's evil inclination, a person's natural in, inclination to sometimes do the wrong thing is Mishadeshalov Bechalyon. It renews itself every day. It comes in new forms, and it's just because you resisted a temptation yesterday doesn't mean you're going to resist a temptation today. One must always constantly be on guard. Here you have the same people, the same Egyptians who did exhibit some Yura Shemaya, and they managed to rescue their animals from Makas Dever, but then they became complacent. They thought, oh, you know, I, I, God doesn't want to beat up on me. I'm, I'm special. And the next time, they got beat up. Their animals were afflicted with the Shechem. Now, I also mentioned that whenever Rashi asks an explicit kasha, the reason he's asking it explicitly is because it's really probably not such a great kasha. It's not such a strong question. If it would be a really strong question based implicitly and intrinsically on the words in the Pusik, he wouldn't have to write it. Now, here, the question that Rashi asks explicitly seems like a very strong question. However, Perhaps we can say as follows. We mentioned before that when Rashi was explaining the Psukim about Makas Dever, and the Pesach says, Mitzrayim, 
Rashi didn't say anything about those words. He sort of left them to be to be interpreted very simply and directly. Yes, all of the cattle of Egypt died. And we said that that's Rashi's derech. Okay, that's good. Maybe they all died. It's only later, a few sukkim later, where it says that there were still some left over. Then Rashi says, well, this has to be understood. This has to be explained. But where the Pusik first says that all the cattle of Egypt died, Rashi left it in simplicity. However, some of the other Mephorshim, namely Ibn Ezra and Chiskuni, if you have two, you probably have three or four or five, if you look some more. Some of the other Mephorshim already on the Pusik in Makas Dever, they already question whether Kol Mikne Mitzrayim, whether all of the cattle of Mitzrayim really died in the plague of Dever. Because, let's be honest, it's really not the first time that we're, that we're, that we're reading the Chumash. We know that there are Psukim later on to talk about different things that happened to the cattle of Mitzrayim. We know already there was a Makas Shechin, which affected, the, which affected the cattle. And we know there was a Makas Borod, which affected the cattle. And we know later on at Kriyas Yamsuf that the Egyptians came with, with, with chariots and horses. So you see, they still had, they still had animals. So some of them, Mephoshim, already back on Perek Tes they start to limit a little bit this that it says, Yamas Kol Mikneh Mitzrayim. Ibn Ezra says, Kol means right. doesn't really mean all the cattle. It means most of the cattle. The Chisconi says that Vayomas Kol Mikneh Mitzrayim goes together with the next few words in the Pesach, so that you shouldn't read and all of the cattle of Mitzrayim died. You should read like this. They all died. From where? From Mikne Mitzrayim. From Mikne B'nei Yisrael, not even one died. Meaning all those that died, all the cattle that died were from Mikne Mitzrayim. Does that, does that mean that all of their cattle died? No. Maybe 50% died. But of all the cattle that died from this Makkah, all of those that died came from which group of cattle? From the Egyptian cattle or the Jewish cattle? They came from the Egyptian cattle. So we see that one can understand that Pusik in such a way that maybe really not all of the cattle died. And therefore, perhaps Rashi's explicit question is not so, so strong that he expected you to ask it himself. But he does. The reason he asks it himself partly is because it's a question that perhaps you wouldn't have thought of. Perhaps you would have thought that you had the answer already. And really the reason he's asking it is because he wants to come to an answer. He wants to bring out the point that the Xera of Dever was only on those animals that were in the field, but some people brought their animals inside and they were not affected. And that's how there could be animals still left over when we come to Makashchen. Now we come to our second question. Our second question was, why does the Torah say explicitly, that this plague will only affect your cattle that are left out in the field? It only says that explicitly by Makas Dever, 
but not by Makkah Shechem. Only by the first of the Makkahs that we're talking about, not by the second. I think we can say a simple and practical answer. Makkah's Dever, the, uh, the mechanism by which it occurred, is essentially an invisible mechanism. Moshe Rabbeinu said, in the name of Hashem, that there's going to be a plague on your cattle. Now, what brings it? Not no, Nobody comes walking in with a plague. It just, I mean, we would understand it today that it is caused by some kind of microorganism. However, you might understand it, but there was no visible mechanism. And therefore, if, if Moshe would not have said, this is only going to affect, going to affect if you would not have said this is only going to affect your cattle that are in the field, so there would have been no reason for the Egyptians to bring their cattle indoors. The, the microorganism is going, to, is going to spread anyway. It can go indoors and outdoors equally. So there, it was necessary to say this is only going to affect those animals that are outdoors. If you bring your animals indoors, you'll be okay. Masha'enken, this is not the case, by Makashchin. By Makashchin, although it was miraculous, but there was a visible agent which brought it about. The Pasuk says, as we read, that Moshe and Aaron took piachakivshon, they took ashes from a, from a furnace, and they threw the ashes, Moshe Rabbeinu threw the ashes up into the air, and it became Shechem. Now, miraculously, these ashes fell on all of the people, all of the behemoths. But it was something visible and tangible that fell upon people, and that had this, and that, that had this miraculous uh, effect that it turned into terrible boils and to painful, to a painful skin condition. But here. Pretty obvious that if you go inside, you lock the doors and close the windows, it's not going to affect you. So, there, here by Makashrin, it was not necessary to say so. Finally, we come to the question raised by Gur'arye. Gur'arye asks, Why does it say these words, Ayurias Dvar Hashem, Enises Avadov, Yes why does the Torah explicitly say that those who feared Hashem brought their animals indoors only by the Makkah of Barad? Why doesn't it also say it by the Makkah of Dever? According to Rashi, that happened by Dever also. Rashi tells us that even by Dever, it only affected cattle that were left out in the field. And there were some people who were smart enough and uh, God-fearing enough to bring their cattle back into the houses, and they were not affected. But why doesn't it say that explicitly in the Torah? And a corollary, the Guraya asks, is that why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Egyptians explicitly, Shalacha ezes miknecha, bring your cattle indoors so they won't be harmed. Why did he only say that explicitly by Borod? He did not say it explicitly by Makas Dever. By Makas Dever, he, he said it will affect Miknecho Asher Basadeh. It will affect those of your cattle that are left in the field. But he didn't explicitly give them a command 
didn't give them a directive, bring your cattle inside. That we only find by Makas Borod. The Gurariya answers as follows. If Moshe would have said, Shalach Ha'ez, if he would have said, bring your, your cattle indoors by Makas Dever, and if everybody would have listened, and if everybody would have brought their cattle indoors, then the entire Makkah would have been non-existent. If all the cattle would have been indoors, the Dever would not have affected any cattle because that was the that was the divine decree. It should affect those cattle that are left out in the field. If everybody would bring their cattle indoors, it wouldn't affect anyone, and there'd be no Maka at all. And, and it would be a, it would be a chibol Hashem. I mean, it would be a, it would be a, a contradiction. It would, it would it would be a blotch, a blotch on Hashem's record. He said something's going to happen. And it didn't happen. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu did not explicitly say, bring your cattle indoors. By Borod, he could say it. Because the Gorari explains, by Borod, where he did tell everybody to bring their cattle indoors, even if they had all listened, even if every single Egyptian had brought indoors every single cow and sheep and horse and whatever, there would still have been a Makas Borod. Borod, the hail, would have come down. It would have destroyed the crops. It would have damaged some buildings. It would have, there would, people would have seen the Borod itself. There would have still been a plague of Borod. So therefore, by Borod, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to say, Shlach He said to them very specifically, bring your cattle indoors. And with this, Gurariye answers his main question. Why is it that by Borod, the Pasik says explicitly, Hayorei Ezdvar Hashem, the one who feared the word of Hashem, brought his cattle indoors. But it does not say that by Makas Dever. Well, this answer follows upon the previous answer. By Makas Dever, since Moshe Rabbeinu did not say in the name of Hashem, bring your cattle indoors. So there, the Torah is not going to say that those who feared the word of Hashem brought their cattle indoors because they're not fearing the word of Hashem. Maybe they're smart. Maybe they figured out that they, they heard that the warning about the Makkah was only for Miknecha Asher Basadeh and they're clever people and they decided to protect themselves and they brought the cattle indoors. But it's not because they were in awe of Hashem's word, Hashem didn't tell them to do this. That's only by Borod. By Borod, Moshe Rabbeinu said, in the name of Hashem, he delivered Hashem's word, that Hashem said, bring your cattle indoors. Is those people who brought their cattle indoors, about them we can say, Hayarei as Dvar Hashem. They feared the word of God. God said something, and they were in awe of it. They, they took it seriously. Now, I think the morale here is, is introducing a very interesting and very fundamental point. And that is, there is a difference between Yiras Hashem and Yiras Dvar Hashem. The people who brought their cattle indoors by Makah Shechin, they exhibited Yiras Hashem. They were not exhibiting their awe of Hashem's word. They hadn't 
they were not a, they were not obeying Hashem's word. Hashem didn't tell them to do anything, but they were exhibiting a fear of Hashem. They, they Hashem said there's going to be a plague, and it's going to affect all the cattle that are in the field. They respected that and were in awe of it, and they were smart enough to bring their cattle indoors. That's called Yiras Hashem, but it's not called Yiras Dvar Hashem. By Makas Borod, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, through the medium of Moshe Rabbeinu, bring your cattle indoors. And so those people who did so, about them the Torah says, Hayarei Es Dvar Hashem. They were exhibiting a an awe and a respect for the word of Hashem. Now, I think the Baral is teaching us here that there's, these are two different traits, two different um, abilities that, that one may or may not have. There's something called Yiras Hashem. Yiras Hashem is something more, and more of an intuitive awe of Hashem, of God. It is a, it is a belief that if God says he's going to do something, he's probably going to do it. You ought to take it very seriously. It is, um, person is aware that there is a Rebunah Shalalam, there is a master of the universe, and he, he takes that seriously. That's called Yiras Hashem. What is Yiras Dvar Hashem? That's a little bit different. It means when God says something, I do it. I listen. I follow the commands. How much do I sense on my own? How much religious feeling do I have? How much do I, uh, am I uh, excited by God's creation? Well, I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe a little bit. Maybe not so much. But when God says something through a Navi, through a Moshe Rabbeinu, when I know that this, this word is coming from God, I listen. I'm obedient. That's called Yiras Dvar Hashem. And they're not exactly the same thing. And I think if we look around at the people we know, I don't, I don't uh, recommend looking at yourself. You're not going to get a clear picture. But if you look around at people you know, you will see there are some people who are stronger in Yiras Hashem. They have a certain intuitive fear and awe and respect for a Kodesh Baruch Hu. They are, they are become very excited when they see certain things in nature that they understand are the creations of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. They're stronger in that. When it comes to observing a halakha, yeah, yeah. even if they do basically observe halakha, but you know, they could cut a corner here and there. It's they have a kind of a direct connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has transmitted to us through his Nevi'im, sometimes they're not prepared to go all out to observe them. And there are other people that are the other way around. There's a certain kind of personality that learns the Shulchan Aruch and knows all the rules and follows them meticulously, but a personal connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is somewhat weaker. When it comes to davening, like, they don't know what to say. They, they, they're tongue-tied. They don't, I don't know. They, they, they feel that they're not really communicating with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When it comes to observing nature, they don't, they don't know. Their eyes are closed. 
They're thinking about the Gemara. They're thinking about the, the Shulchan Aruch. They're thinking about how to how to perform the next mitzvah that 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 that's on the schedule to be performed. These are people who have more of Yiras Dvar Hashem. Of course, you really need both. It's something that uh, one has to be mischazek. One has to strengthen oneself in both areas.